All right then, get your Bibles out and go to Luke chapter 11. Sermon entitled tonight is called Hide and Seek. Look at that. I was wondering what she was going to do. I think that looks like wheat to me. Hide and Seek. Now that's a funny title. I'm not, no, we're not hiding from God. But I do want to talk about seeking God and what it means and why. We are going to bleed into, and I say bleed, I don't mean we're bleeding. We're going to bleed into what's going on in America tonight and some of the things we can do to talk to people. You and I are confronted with people a lot now. They're hungry. They want to know. And we're going to talk about how to talk to them. So Luke 11, Luke 11, let's go over there and... Um, we're just thanking God right now for a good night. Just believe with me for, for an understanding heart. You guys understand this process of seeking God, what it means. Luke 11, verse 9, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son were to ask bread from any father among you, would he give him a stone? The answer is no. If he asked him for a fish, would you give him a serpent instead of a fish? No. If he asked for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? If you then be an evil, and your Bible says evil, it's the actual Greek word natural. But remember when Jesus said that, they weren't born again. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him. Another thing says how he would give good things to those that ask him. Go to Jeremiah 29 now. I'm going to tell you where this began with me. It began, like I said the other day, in St. Thomas. And we'll, we'll take off from here and, and go. When Lisa and I were in St. Thomas, I've done so much traveling to the Caribbean to preach. Uh, I have a lot of very good memories preaching on the beach and watching people get born again, watching people get saved, healed, filled with the Holy Ghost. And, um, and I, that's why I flew, because it's faster than a boat. And so I, I never went to St. Thomas, but I went to Haiti, and I went to uh, Cuba, and I went all over the Bahamas. And uh, almost every island in the Bahamas, I've preached on it. So naturally, when I'm in St. Thomas on our anniversary... I'm just sitting on the beach. I'm not preaching. But I'm aware that everybody around me, I say everybody, uh, that's, that's not really right to say, probably a good majority of them are not born again. And I'm sitting there, and I can't help but think that all these people are not going to heaven. And I'm sitting enjoying the sand and the beach, and, the, and we're swimming and snorkeling, and, and we had a lot of fun. There was a place we went where they gave us some dog food in our hand, and when we got under the water, we put it out, and thousands of fish came up, thousands. And I had my GoPro on me, and I'm, all these fish are biting on me. When they started biting me, I gave the, the, the food to Lisa. Let them bite Lisa a while. And, um, but it was really beautiful there. Um, we swam one day and saw a bunch of sharks and decided to go the other way. And, but anyway, I'm there, and I asked the Lord when I got back up, because I'm in my condo, we're in a condo kind of a thing, but we're on top of the hill, and we're probably, oh, 200 yards from the ocean, but we're probably uh, 500,000 feet up, and it's beautiful. 
You, you can go out on your back porch and just look at the ocean and the mountains, and it's just gorgeous. And I'm just sitting up there praying and worshiping God. And, and I asked him, I said, uh, is there anything you want me to do about the people? Is there anything while I'm here you want me to do? And he knew I was starting to feel a little condemned that I'm in having a good time while everybody's going to hell. I was starting to really bother me a little bit. And he said, no. He said, um, he said, I need you to understand that if these people were seeking me, I would, talk, I would help them. But they're not. They're not interested. And he said, all that you can see proves that I'm God. I'm a real, there's mountains and ocean and fish. He said, all of that I gave to them, but they aren't interested in me at all. So you go ahead and enjoy your anniversary. And I kind of like, don't sweat it. It's not on your shoulders to carry this burden. You're on your anniversary. Enjoy your anniversary. I gave you a church to pastor. Pastor your church. Don't worry about everybody in the world and outside of your, what I gave you to do. So in other words, it kind of threw it, took a burden off of me that I'm supposed to be responsible every time I see anybody, you know. When I first got born again, I picked up every hitchhiker, told them about Jesus. And finally one day I realized, this is stupid. You know, these guys could kill us, you know. So, so anyway, having said that, go to, in, in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now stop right there, and I need, to, I need to qualify why I'm reading this. Right now, you and I are hearing people walk up to us and say, I don't know what to do. Yeah. We're hearing that a lot, and you're going to hear it a lot. And how do you answer that? And, and do you do the same thing I do? Do you carry the burden of that, or do you give it to God? What do we do? How do we handle that statement? Because if you think about the people that we know, and I mean sinners and uh, lukewarm Christians, they're in a rock between, do I take the vaccine, which may kill me, or do I not take it and I come under the persecution of all of my family and friends and in-laws and outlaws and lose my job? And they're in a rock and a hard place. I'm not. But they really are. That's a big deal to them. Lose job, lose life. And both of them are big deals to them. And they're sweating it. They're bothered. They're, this, this, is, this is a big deal. And so how do you handle that? Let's go back. I want to read something to you that God said about them. Let's, let's read it. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not evil. To give you a future and a hope. Who? Everybody. Everyone. Everybody. You will call on me, go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with what? All your heart. How much of it? Is that a choice? They have a choice. So in other words, they're really not in a rock and a hard place. Now see, you and I need to take our Bibles and start learning to talk to people who, number one, if they're serious, the ones that are just blowing smoke, you know, 
Don't cast your pearls before swine. Leave them alone. But I'm talking about the friends of yours that are sitting down and they're freaking out. We're wigging. Family members, in-laws, outlaws, whatever. And they're falling apart and you can say, why don't you seek God? I mean, just look at him real kindly and say, he told you that if you sought him, you would find him and he would deliver you out of all your fears. He can fix you. Now, you can't. Now, let me read the rest of this because I'm, I'm going somewhere with this and I want you to think with me. When you seek me, you'll find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from the nations and the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and bring you to a place in which caused you to be carried away captive. In other words, everybody right now is faced with a decision that they have chosen not to make. And now... It's not up to you and I to worry about what happens to them. It is on our shoulders to look at them and go, you might want to seek God. Now, you're going to hear all kind of stuff, but I want you to understand, if they seek him with their heart, he'll get them out of it. So here's the issue. As long as people are doing what they want to do, God's not helping them. So I'm going to tell you a story, and I heard it from Dr. Osborne, and it's, it's a powerful story. He was preaching, I, I was with him when we were in Barahia, Colombia, and he wasn't in Colombia when this happened, but he was telling a story of another crusade. And, and he was, you know, he would get up and preach to 50, 100,000, sometimes quarter of a million or bigger crowds of people, thousands of people. And he's been having miracles. People get out of wheelchairs, blind eyes open since 1950. And he just died a few years ago. I mean, he has blanketed, he is the father of modern day crusades. He, this is before Reinhard Bonnke. He was the first man to have mass healing. Before that, everybody, remember Oral Roberts laid hands on everybody. Till two or three in the morning, everybody got hands laid on. Everybody got prayed for. Because nobody knew that you could pray for 100,000 people at one time. And so he kind of pioneered that idea. And F.F. Bosworth is the one that said, you ought to try it. I mean, you know, up until then, when we read the Bible, we don't see mass crusades. Everything's one-on-one. Jesus did, you know, 5,000 people, and he preached, and it says he healed the sick, but it doesn't say how he did. We assume. He laid his hands on them all. We don't really know. So T.L.'s preaching in this crusade, and I, you've heard me tell the story before, and it bears repeating, because some of y'all are slow learners. <laughs> but a wealthy lady comes up in a limousine, and her, um, not the chauffeur, but the um, guy that takes care of her. Who? Huh? The valet. The valet, whatever. In other words, her, the guy that takes care of her, and takes her out of the limousine, and puts her in a wheelchair, and she's crippled. But she's very wealthy, but she's crippled. And so she's coming to the crusade to be healed. A lot of people come to church to be healed. I'm going to stop right here and make a statement to you. Does the church get very large when we had a healing meeting? Where'd they go? I 
Uh, uh, I'm, well, I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So, so T.L. Osborne's preaching the gospel, and then he stops and gives an altar call. Now, I've been with him, and I've talked to him. I had lunch with him, and I asked him how he did things. And he would pray for a long time during the altar call, pray a long prayer. And, and then he would pray for the sick. He would, then he would stand up and take authority over every disease out there, pray for the cripples, pray for people. And then he would get, then he would then he would then um then he would get them to pray. So this is a lengthy crusade, Do the preaching and the praying and and then uh, then praying for the sick and and I mean it's three or four five six hours in a night, big deal, music everything. So this lady sitting out there and he says, "Ma'am, would you like to go forward in the altar call?" She said, "No." I have my religion, and she had a set of beads, and, and I, I'm not Catholic, I didn't grow up Catholic, I have no idea of those kids, family members, in-laws, outlaws, I don't know what that is, just beads. Anyway, they, she had her beads, and she's flipping her beads, and she says, no, I have my religion. Well, she, she stood up and prayed the prayer, oh God, heal me, you know, with, with all the thousands of people, and nothing happened, nothing happened. So long story short, she came back the next night and came back the next night and the same thing happened night after night where nothing happened, nothing happened to her. And, and that happens a lot in crusades. There's people who get healed and people who don't and they don't know why. They think God's doing it. They think he's picking and choosing. So, the, so about the third or the fourth night of the crusade, she's back there and she's praying over her healing and she's praying about her healing and she looks up and Jesus is walking through the crowd and she can see him with her eyes. And he's probably 100 yards away. And he's laying his hands on people. And every time he touches someone, they get out of the wheelchair. But he's walking toward her. And she's going, oh, God, he's coming. He's coming this way. He's coming this way. And he keeps coming and he keeps coming. He's not really looking up and looking around. He's just laying hands on this one. He lays hands on that one. He lays hands on this one. And then when he got to where he was about from me to Rosie, he just walked right by her and never even made eye contact with her. And just kept going and praying for people. And back through the crowd he went and left her sitting in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And she's broken hearted. And she goes, I mean, you walk, you walk by me. You just walk right by me. I mean, you can imagine her heart. Yeah. I mean, she, God opened up her eyes on her sages. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's trying to get her attention. And so that night, the man picked her up, put her back in the limo, and takes her home. The next night, she says, take me back. Well, you know the story. When they give the altar call, she says, take me forward. Yeah. And when she prayed the sinner's prayer, she got up. Amen. Well, let's talk about this a minute. A lot of people want the healing. People want miracles. They want prayers answered. But do you want him And we're, you know, as Americans, let's be honest. We have our 401ks. We got our jobs. We got our health. We got our house. We got our car. We don't really need Jesus. We kind of do. We need to get to heaven because we're going to go to hell if not. But other than that, he's kind of like a side issue with most people. So let's go back to the people you're dealing with. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, you do. Seek him 
and he will show up. You seek him with all your heart, and if you do not, now you know why. See, they, want, they don't want to lose their job, and they don't want to die of COVID, and they don't want the vaccine, but they also don't want him. So now let's go back to why we always have a crowd. They're not after the Lord. They're after a healing. And, and the babies, you look around the church, the babies get healed. He has mercy on people that need mercy. I've, I've, I've seen him have mercy on all kind of people. Now let's read this again because I want you to see it in your Bible. You'll call on me and go to me and pray to me and I, I'll listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. God is, there's a relationship here and he wants a relationship with you. He wants fellowship with you. All right, go to Proverbs 1. Am I doing okay? This is the issue that we're facing in America with Christians and non-Christians. And we're going to have to look at people and say, it might be time for you to seek God. And I'm not talking about come to Jesus, go to heaven. Because right now is the first time that we've been in a situation to where it's, this is bad and that's bad. And there is a God and we're not Him. It's always been that way. Now, I'm going to tell you a story here. It's a made-up story. I made it up. But in the book of Ephesians, I was doing a wedding one day, and I'm reading down through the husbands love your wives, wives respect your husbands, and, and I'm reading through that whole list that I think God put it in the Bible for us preachers to do weddings. And he didn't. After he tells the analogy, husband and wife, wife and husband, he says, but I'm speaking to you of Christ and the church. He's not telling us about weddings. He's using a wedding to talk to you about your walk with God. So a, a wedding is a blood covenant. So let's go total hypothetical. Let's just do a total crazy, stupid, pretend made up story. Young man marries a sweetheart. They come home from the honeymoon, start their house together, and they're in there having a wonderful time for the first month. He comes home one day and there's a note, me and a couple of my girlfriends, uh, we went out of town, call you later, sign lovely wife. And he's like, okay, what's with this? And he calls her and no answer. Three or four days later, he finally gets her and goes, where are you? And she goes, what's with the tone? Well, I come home and you're not here. Right, I'm with my friend. I left you a note. I know you left me a note. But where are you? Well, we're at the beach. When are you coming home? Well, we'll, we'll be home when? Are y'all following me? I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Maybe not. And so all of a sudden, you know, a couple days later, he don't hear from her anymore. And, and he gets a, another text, send money. 
someone shut my, uh, my credit card down. And he texts back, I did. She goes, what the heck? I thought you loved me. Me too. She goes, we're married. Yeah. Are they? Well, no, no. She's got a paper. He's got a paper. Are they married? They're married. There's a relationship. Man, this is good. This is good. So finally she comes home and goes, I mean, I can't, I mean, what, what are you, some kind of dictator? I can't go off with my friends? Now, you know, that's the, that's the wonderful thing about love. No one really has to say that. No one, but in church, you do. Where you been for a month? What's it to you? I'm saved. You ever work in the church? Nah, I ain't got time. I've been busy all week. I mean, I had a birthday party to go to last week, and I went to the beach. What's, what's, what is wrong with you? What's your attitude? But why, why, what's your attitude? Get out of my face. You say, I'm a Christian. On paper. God is a jealous God. He gave you him. You know what he wants in return? You. Listen, I only have one checkbook. It's not hers, it's, or it's not mine, it's ours. Right, right. You don't have one check. You don't have a checkbook, it's y'all's. Right. You don't have a life, it's y'all's. That's right. That's right. Are y'all out there, did you go home? We're in a, we're in a situation in America today where, we, where I don't know what we did with Christianity, but it, it has become the most loosey-goosey mess I have ever seen. Now, let me, go, let me say something to you, and, and I don't want to make you mad, I might. You wouldn't miss school if hell froze over. You'll have your kids back here Monday morning. By God, they'll be in school. Who said who? The government. What did Jesus say? I'm, I'm getting on to you, but let me make a statement to you. I'm going to read something to you now that I struggled with for a while. And I think it's time that we talk about it because, number one, you need to know this and you need to be able to talk to your families because yeah. they're looking at you and saying, my life is falling apart. You need to go, right, yeah. good. Okay. He canceled my credit card, good. Sure. I mean, I've been, I've been doing this a while. I've seen people not get prayers answered. Yeah. And he's a good God. But when you're AWOL, he, he canceled the credit card. He, he shut the checkbook down. All right, boy, y'all are all right. Proverbs chapter 1. When I read this one time, it, it bothered me. What I'm going to read to you, it just bothered me. Now, help me with this because what I want you to do after tonight, go home and get your in-laws and your outlaws to download this sermon. Hello, all of y'all. I asked them to do it. Pay attention. Because there's some stuff in the book of Proverbs that I read, and I'm like, and you know, that just don't seem like you. Then the other day I heard Keith Moore preaching on it, and I went, I'm going to pay it. What's he going to say about it? And he answered my question. It's interesting. 
Proverbs 1.20, wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open square. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the opening of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. Is the gospel being preached? Everywhere, guys. We have more truth in America now. Listen to me. You know more than Smith Wigglesworth. He didn't know what you know. He didn't have Jesse. He didn't have, he didn't have TL. He didn't have Copeland. He didn't have Hagen. He didn't have Facebook. He had a Bible, and God taught him a lot. He learned a lot. But he would have given anything to have books you have. If he came to my Bible school, he'd be, he'd be sitting there learning and going, I never knew that, I never knew that, I never knew that. But look what he did. Look at what other men have done. It, we, we, are, we have an enormous amount of information being at our fingertips. To whom much is given. Let me read again. Wisdom cries outside. She has been raising her voice in the open squares in the United States of America for over 20 years. 30 years, 50 years, 200 years. She cries in the chief concourse. At the opening of the gates of every city, she speaks her words in every church. How long will you simple people love simplicity? Scorners delight in scorning. Fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Now, people say, wait a minute. He's not rebuking us. Well, the Bible says in, in, in 1 Timothy that the preaching of the word is, is reprove, rebuke, exhort. It, it doesn't mean that, that it's an attitude of, nah, it's not a meanness. But there is rebuking in the word. Like this is, this is right and this is wrong. And you need, we need to hear what he has to say. You read the book of Revelation and he's saying to the churches, you know, you do this and I love it. But this over here, I don't like that at all. And that's in the New Testament. There's things he said, I don't, you, you, you need to change that. I don't like it. And there's rebuking that comes from real pastors. If you can handle it. Turn at my rebuke, surely I'll pour out my spirit on you. He will. He'll pour his spirit out on people. If your heart's right, he'll pour his spirit on you. If your heart's not, we're not talking about if your head is right. We're not talking about if you come to church and give money. We're talking about if your heart is right. Your life can be screwed up if your heart's right, and God honors your heart. Your life can be perfect and your heart wrong, and he's still honoring your heart. Surely I'll pour my spirit on you. I'll even make my words known to you. I'll take anything you want in the Bible and explain it to you. Anything you want to know, I will show it to you. Well, I just don't know what the Lord wants to do. Well, you just told us that you don't seek God. Come on, y'all. Because I called. Look at, the, look, at, look, at the, look at wisdom. Wisdom is actually speaking here, but we know wisdom came from the Holy Ghost. I called. You refused. I stretched out my hand. No one regarded. You disdained all my counsel. You would have none of my rebuke. And I'm going to laugh at your calamity. And I, when I read that, I thought, no, God, you don't, no, you don't, you don't get up there and go, ah, you screwed up, you dummy. But you can't take it out. It's right there in our Bible. And I'm going to explain to you what that means in just a minute. I'm going to laugh at your calamity. I'll mock when terror comes. And terror comes like a storm. And your destruction comes like a whirlwind. And distress and anguish come upon you. And you'll call on me. And I'm not answering you. 
You'll seek me. You're not finding me. You hated knowledge. You did not choose the fear of the Lord. And you would have none of, none of my counsel. You despised my every rebuke. Therefore, they'll eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with the f- full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and be secure without fear of evil say that's me all right let's now what is he talking about he's not talking about you seeking praying and him ignoring you he's talking about you're praying but you're not praying with your heart you're not seeking with your heart you're wanting him to get you out of the mess but you have no intention of obeying him when he's done I, I, you know, now right now in America, we've got a whole nation who is making fun of the gospel. Folks, that's not funny. They're going to hell. And we've got lukewarm Christians who are, I saw a video, I saw a thing on Facebook the other day, and, and they're making fun of faith ministers, and they said, um, Joel Osteen flew his jet to Afghanistan, and while he flew by, he said, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. That's not funny. No, it's not. It is not the time for you to start making fun of preachers you don't agree with. Now, I'm, now, just just between me and you, I, I'm a long ways from perfect. I mean, I mean, if you don't believe me, ask people that have been here a while. But I'll tell you something: I do have. I have a perfect heart, and God goes, "That was stupid," but you have a right heart. So I'm going to help you. And I'm always on my face. I need help. I need help every day. I need help every day. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I need help every day. And when he does things, and y'all are amazed, I'm amazed. Someone said to me one time, I don't believe God uses you. I said, me either. I'm amazed too. I'm amazed he uses you. Isn't that a wild scripture? But God, Lisa and I watched a video the other night, came up on my Facebook. It was about a man. It was a total heathen. Um, Where is she? She's behind back there. She may have to help me if I forget anything. This guy grew up in Canada and became a pilot uh, because he was around airplanes all the time up in Canada. They fly everything, you know, way up in Newfoundland. And he got a pilot license when he was a teenager and, and flew around Canada. And then he finally became a, a commercial pilot and flew all over the world and became wealthy and invested money. And at, I think it was 60-something years of age, uh, he came down with a, a disease. and They didn't know what it was. And he says, I've been healthy all my life. He said, I thought that the Bible was about a fable of a Jewish guy. He had no concept of God. Didn't care. Didn't care. He said, I've been in, in, in planes where the engine went out. He said, I've never, I've never feared for my life. And, uh, he said, but then one day he's going through this sickness and, he, and someone comes up with a drug that will help him with the pain. He said, the, the sickness created a pain in my body that was in, so intense it was unbearable. And for several years he, he would take these drugs to ease the pain. But he was only supposed to take so many 
He said, I got to where I was just taking more and more and more and more and more. Finally, OD'd, and he's in his pickup truck, and he's out looking at a piece of property, and, uh, and he dies in the truck. But right when he's dying, now think of the mercy of God. He said, I felt my legs getting hot. I felt my body getting hot. I felt it getting numb and getting number and number. It got up to where I couldn't breathe. And I said, God, help me. I knew you'd help me. He said, I found a place in my heart. And he said, Father, now folks, this is called skin of your teeth. Now, the funny thing about the story is that all of a sudden when he said that, the pain left his body. And he got out of his truck and he said, I could walk pain free. And it was all gone and I was like, wow. And then he says, I turned and someone is in my truck. And he said, I, I'm going to walk over there and bust this guy in the mouth. What are you doing in my dad burn truck? And he walks back to his truck and he looks in and it's him. But he's dead. He said, and all of a sudden I started floating. And there wasn't anything I'd do about it. He said, I'm a pilot. I understand altitude. And he said, I'm looking around, and I'm going, okay, I'm about 1,000 feet, and I'm moving out. He said, and I turned around, and I saw this tunnel, and no wind, nothing. He said, we were moving past galaxies rapid. And all of a sudden, he stepped into a place where there was grass, and it was beautiful, and there was a light. And then he looked up, and he saw the pastures and horses, and he said it was just beautiful. But then he said the grass turned kind of brown and then it died and then it, and all of a sudden he looked over and he saw a pit with a flame of fire. And he saw a big demon standing at the doors. The thing is huge. And all of a sudden the doors to hell opened. And he said, I heard it creaking. He said, and this creature saw me and called me by my name. We've been waiting on you, James. And then he heard in the mouth of the demon the voices of people screaming inside like he had eaten millions of people. And he said, this thing started pulling on me. He said, I turned around and I said, and he looked away and he saw three beings on light coming to him. He said, I just focused. He said, this thing is talking to me and I don't want want to look at it. And these three beings came up, and they were angels. Mm-hmm. Now, tell how I know one of them was 15 feet. <laughs> Come over here, grab that mic. I knew she's going to help me with my sermon. This is a great story. Yeah, this y'all are. So actually what happened is that when he was in the green grass and then he saw it turn brown, gray, black, scorched, and he was curious about what was over the edge. And then when he went to the edge, he saw the crevice, like a black coal wall, shiny black coal wall. And down there, way down deep, were 
was those doors that opened and upscurried this huge demon-like body, ugly. He said it ran up the wall. Fast. And he came up and met him, met this man at the scorched grass. And he said to him, and this is very important because of what Jesus eventually says to him. He says to him, as his gaze was on him, he said, Jim, not James, Jim, come with us. We're waiting for you. Come with us. And as, as Jim was looking at him, the pool got stronger and stronger, and he started to go towards the demon. And then the last three words, because he talked about six words that saved me. So the first three were, God, God forgive me. me. And so as the pull of the demon, as he looked at him, got stronger, he turned away and saw three little lights way up in the distance. And he turned away and said, God, help me. And when he said, God, help me, the pull of the demon dropped off him. And the three lights came down like shooting stars. And they were three huge angels. And when the demon saw the angels, because then they landed, kind of like rockets, they that landed. The demon, the huge demon, it's like a head demon, screeched, screeched and yelled and scurried back down into the pit. He was saved in the nick of time. I remember every detail. And then when Jesus, so then he goes and he spends time with these angels. And the most amazing thing is that one of these angels... He had a little book up his sleeve. So in other words, he finds there's well, three angels. he was angels. talking to Jesus at that time. Well, he wasn't talking to Jesus. Jesus wasn't talking to him yet. But he looked over and he saw Jesus. But he didn't know it was Jesus because he didn't know Jesus. He said, I thought Jesus was a Jewish fable. So he said there was a great big stately figure with his head turned away from me. And the angel was, one of my angels was looking at him and he said, my angel pulled a book out of his sleeve. So the book was about that big and about that thin. He said it wasn't any more thicker than a little diner book that you would take off a menu that was only two pages wide and about that big. He said the angel pulled it out of his sleeve opened the book up, and we know it was Jesus was reading the book. And what re was revealed to him at that moment is that book was the book of his life. There wasn't anything in it. All really. the important things he'd ever done were on one sheet of paper. And then... Not much on there. And then Jesus read it. The angel shut the book, slipped it back up in his sleeve, and Jesus turned to him. And said, James, not Jim. He didn't call him by his nickname. He called him, he said, James. You want to continue? Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Well, but I, the point of the whole thing, <laughs> how fast will God respond to your heart? That fast. That fast. Now, this, I said that all for this one reason. You think I'm seeking and seeking and seeking. No, you're not. Because, I mean, if you seek him for 15 seconds, he'll move on you. Yes, he will. That's so true. With your heart. Yes, that's true. If you're just wanting him to do something for you, he'll, you can pray and pray and pray and pray, and he'll ignore you. See, we just got through reading. He'll totally ignore you.
ain't time for you. But this guy even dying and going to hell cried out. He said, I, I called out from the recesses of my heart. Forgive me. How fast do you need a prayer answer? He got one real quick. I, I believe God is interested in answering our prayers quickly. You know what I believe why that he came to that point in Go his heart? Go to Luke heart? 8 while she's talking. Is because he had been saying over and over and over in his bed at night, is this all there is to life? He kept asking the question, is this all there is? Well, if he, if he wanted something, he went out and got it. If he thought that something else was going to make him happy, he went out and got it. And every night he said he would lay down and he would ask the question, is this all there is to my life? And I believe God showed and revealed that to him. So I'm going to show you something. I'm going to read a, a parable in the Bible that we've preached on many times in this church. But there is one word I'm going to read in it, and I want you to never forget it. It's the word heart. And Jesus said this was the Mac Daddy of all parables. And he said, if you understand this parable, you understand the whole Bible. That's a powerful thing to say. So I'm going to read the parable to us. Luke 8. Verse 11, the parable is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Those people on the wayside hear the word. The devil comes and takes the word out of their heart. They would believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those when they hear, they receive the word with joy and they have no root. And they believe for a while in a time of temptation fall away. And the ones that fell among thorns are those when they have heard go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life. And we've preached on the three kinds of people and which one are you and I? And I think at different times of our life, all three. Now, but, the, but here's the skinny. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart. Now, this happens, and, and I'm not here to point. I'll get up on Sunday morning and preach a message, and one person will get born again, one person will get healed, and one person will leave and never come back. It's, it's not the preaching. It's the heart. Now, let me back up here a minute and explain something to y'all. I got born again in Athens, and you know how many good churches there were in my town? None. I didn't have a church. How do you explain me growing in God? My heart. I drove to a church 52 miles away one Sunday a month because I worked three Sundays. I wanted to be off. God got me a job on Sunday because he didn't want me to go to church. He said, I don't want you to go to church in this town. They'll mess you up. He didn't have one church in the whole county liked. That is sad. And I drove to that church and that woman, and he, it, he didn't see me in that church to listen to the preacher. He sent me there to get a hold of Virginia Galloway who started giving me Brother Hagin's books. And that was my church for the first year. A books an old woman was giving me a church. That's where I started growing. But God met me because I had a heart after him. And I'm saying that you have a good church. And let's pretend for a minute that we, that, and you've heard it through the grapevine that we're not all that. But I'm going to tell you something right now. It's not what's hindering you. Come on. 
you're hindering you. If I was a, a complete moron, you ought to be growing in God. Don't, don't shout me down. All right, let's look at another one. Are y'all ready? First Peter 5. Let me just pop on screen. First Peter 5, 6. Look at this, what it says. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he'll do what? That, who's that for? Anybody? Anybody. It's not, it's, not, it's not COVID, and it's not the vaccine. Your best days are ahead or your worst days are ahead. Yeah. But that's not, that's up to you. That's up to you. Yeah. Now, I'm going to go over some stuff in a minute, and it's exciting. Go to Proverbs 3.19. I want to turn over there. This is so exciting. If I, I'm excited about the days ahead. I know, that, I know you don't, don't think I'm crazy. I'm excited. So I'm going to go over some of them now. Um, Lisa said this this morning. Necessity is the mother of invention. You say, well, I'm a, I'm a school teacher. I'll lose my job. Start a school. Okay, okay, okay. Start a fish farm. People are hungry. Justin, dig your lake out and start growing catfish. I was down and I think Melanie knew about this place. There was a place in the Winter Garden. I went one time. There was, a, there was a restaurant downstairs, and they took me upstairs, and they had a hydroponic garden with tilapia in a swimming pool, and the, the, and the tilapia and, and all of the um, waste was feeding the garden, and they were growing all their own groceries for their own restaurant. Come on, folks, stop telling me all about what the government's doing. I, who gives a rip? Run for, run for office. I've heard they're getting paid real well lately. I don't know. I just. Okay, here's another one. I'm, an, I'm a nurse and I'm losing my job. Start a practice. Start a practice. Cash only. And, and, and quit. Get out of your mindset that you've got to charge people a thousand dollars every time. All, this whole thing has been set up. It is a mess. Could you make a living being a doctor if you weren't underneath the pill? Yes, you could. People want good doctors. Good God, just get out there. I'm a good doctor. I'll take care of you. I ain't interested in just giving you pills. I'll take care of you. And and I'll tell you something. If you don't have insurance, just don't charge them an arm and a leg and an elephant and your car and your dog and your cat and your house. Don't shout me down. All right, I got another one. What about a charter service? All the preachers that are right now wanting to own their own airplane, why don't somebody just buy a jet and fly them? You'd be a millionaire in a couple of years. There's no reason for everybody. What do you think? They have to buy a plane and then hire a, um, a, a pilot, and it sits at the airport while they're not going anywhere. So what if one man flew... Uh, Rodney Howard Brown and flew me around and uh, and and Doug Benson and and I, what about I mean there's all kinds of preachers in Central Florida I'm always I don't want to get on Delta and go to Atlanta and sit for two or three or four or five hours in an airport that doesn't know where my gate is 
and running around with a mask on my face with some old woman in the thing screaming their head at me and it takes me 14, 15 hours to get to a place that I could drive in the same amount of time? But rather than me buy an airplane, why don't we just... Ten people get together. Come on, there, there's, there's hundreds of ways to, listen, this is the most prime time to make money that we've ever been in. And, you know, now I'm going to tell you something that irks me, just ticks me. I, if I walk into a Publix and I see a dead burn California orange, I'm going to puke. And so, somebody explain why we buy oranges from California. Somebody tell me why we're buying oranges from the other side of the U.S. Some numb nut. I don't understand this at all. And they taste terrible. And they paint them yellow. Oh, someone help me with this sermon. My God, we got... What, what, about, growing high, what about growing organic food? Chickens and goats and goat milk and, and, and listen, get yourself 50, 75 acres, you'll be a millionaire. How am I doing? That's what Jan did. I mean, good God. People at Jan, she's got hydroponic and buying groceries and that woman, hand over fist. I'm tired of bad food. I'm tired of bad food. But I don't have the time to grow it. If it wasn't for Poppy, we wouldn't have eggs. Poppy gives us eggs all the time. There may come a day in this church, people come in here and go, Pastor, here's your eggs and here's your goat milk and here's your beans. And Come on, I don't care. I mean, I just... I just like to eat. All right. I'm, be, I'm preaching better than y'all. Amen. And I'm just. Proverbs 3.19. Let's go over there. 3.19. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding established the heavens. By knowledge the depths were broken up. And clouds dropped dew. My son, don't, depart, don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. And there will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. And you will walk safely in your way. Your foot will not stumble. And when you lie down, you will not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror. Don't be in trouble because of wicked. And the Lord will be your confidence and keep your foot from being calm. Come out and help me out and say amen. Worry about what everybody else is doing. A thousand will fall at our side and ten thousand on our right hand. If we're seeking God with all of our heart, He will take care of us. Amen. I don't know what I'm going to do. You might want to find a church and get in it and find an altar and get on your face. Amen. You know, I don't really want to stand up anymore and tell you what the vaccine's doing. Find out. So here's the skinny. If... When someone asks you why you didn't get vaccinated, don't go religious on them because they, you know what that means to them? They don't mean nothing. So here's what you say. I don't believe that COVID will kill me. I don't believe that COVID has the ability to kill me. And I believe that my God-given immune system will work. Just look at them and say, I, don't, I just don't believe that COVID is going to kill me. Now, that's a personal thing. I just don't think it's going to kill me. All right, number two. I don't trust a, an untested vaccine that I don't know what will do in my body. I, I, I don't want it in my body. I don't trust it. I've heard people are dying of it, and I don't, I don't want to. And here's the, here's the biggest thing. Ask, them, ask people this. What's the cure for the vaccine? There is no. You don't know. 
More of the same crap? All right, now here's the last one. And I personally don't trust a government who stole election. Now, see, we haven't gotten religious yet. I mean, if they can't figure that out, it's like, now here's the last thing I wrote. Stop cowering. Now, I, I heard a person make a statement the other day. They're going to send me from the table that the vaccinated to an unvaccinated table. Praise the Lord. Take your Bible and sit over there and have a Holy Ghost fit. Go to Matthew 5. Oh, I got a few minutes. I got a few minutes. I'm, I'm so excited. Go to Matthew 5. Are y'all all right? Uh, this is an exciting time to be alive. Here's my answer when people go, did you get a vaccination? I go, <laughs> no. Someone said to me the other day, they said, what, what, what vaccine did you get? I said, P.S. 9-1. I got the PS-9-1. You had your booster? Every day. And I've been boosting it up every day. I said, man, I am building myself up on my most holy faith and PS-9-1 every day. All right. Listen to this. And I want you all to get ready for this because this is throwing people. 510, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecute the prophets. So let me ask you all a question. Has anybody beat you yet? Anybody thrown you in a jail and locked your feet in stocks? What happened to Paul when they beat him and threw him in stocks? What did he do? Well, if you can't even sing in church on Sunday morning, don't start expecting to sing in a jail. It, are y'all out there? I'm, I'm trying to get you ready. You're, you're experiencing a little persecution and you're going, other people at work are being mean to me. I'm going, okay. Why are you letting that get you down? I got to tell you one more time, my job I got fired from. Philip Crosby and Associates. I got fired from Philip. I got laid off. They fired me. They, they, you all know what layoffs are. And, and I'll tell you why they laid me off. One day a guy asked me where the good a girly bar was. I said, I can, I can tell you where a good church is. That didn't go real good. Kind of like a smart aleck. But anyway, they called me in and everybody's getting laid off because they're out of money. Everybody drives a Cadillac, but they're laying me off. I'm going, yeah, well, this is, this is interesting. So they call me in the office, and everybody goes in is happy, and everybody comes out is crying. Everybody. <laughs> crying their eyes out. So I go walking in, and they said, um, and they, I thought I was in a funeral home. Have y'all ever seen funeral? You ever been to a funeral home? Yes. Mr. Morgan. It's not your mother. I'm okay. Cheer up. Get your funeral face off. So hand me the bill. I'm going to cry at the bill, but I'm not going to cry at my mother. I'm not going to cry at either one. So they called me in the office and said, we're having to lay you off. And I went, glory. 
But see, this is not the day I learned to trust God. I trust God every day of my life. I really didn't like that job. They wouldn't let me sing. One day I came to work and my desk was out in the elevator area. And I said, what's my desk doing out here? Well, the instructors are tired of hearing you sing. They can't teach class. And I, I mean, I honestly, and I'm being honest. I'm not lying. Lisa said, don't tr- believe anything he says of you behind the pulpit. Anything else, don't trust anything he says. Because I always tease her. But, but I would be sitting at my desk and I would start coming. This is the day that the Lord and the Lord has made. And they've accused me of having a loud voice. And the instructor would open the door and go, please. And I'm like, did I do something wrong? You're singing again. Oh. And I would say, okay, I won't sing. I won't sing. I won't sing. About an hour later, I'm going, this is the day. I'm just happy. I'm just happy. So I got fired for being happy. They put me in the elevator, that shaft, and then they came in one day. And it, but anyway, I looked at him and I said, I'll have a job before the sun comes up in the morning. Amen. He said, how do you know? I said, because I said so. Right. And then I looked at him and I said, can I pray for y'all? Y'all need money. That's good. Love that. So Tom Copeland came home that night because he worked there and he said, they were amazed at you. As a matter of fact, your faith spoke volumes to them. And I, and I got home that night, and I'm preaching the youth. And Gary, Gary, whatever his name was, my boss, called me. He says, heard you got fired. I said, yep. He said, meet me at 7 o'clock in the morning. You're going to work for me. And I said, thank you, Jesus, and went back and preached to the teenager. That's right. And got a raise. Are you all out there? Yes. Uh, the, day, the days are falling apart. They're over, guys. But also the days of the lukewarm Christian, and I've said this. I spent a year in this church and told you we're going to study the authority of the believer, and I said, you're going to need it. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether you took me serious. I'm a prophet. I've been preparing you for a long time. I've seen this, and worse is coming in the natural. But don't be afraid. Listen to what I'm telling you. Count it all joy. He Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will lift you up. We're going to spend some time seeking him with our whole heart. If you do, sleep at night. Okay. Let's see where I am. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. And I'm going to do something. I'm not totally out of time. Go to Revelation 14. I want to show you something on how to talk to the lost. But I want to show you how to talk to them. The door is open now. And I'll, they're going to call you a conspiracy theorist. And you just tell them this. Jesus was not a conspiracy theorist. Now, I'm not telling you to read this to them if they don't want it read. But when they, when they hang around and you can ask them, say, you, you asked me why I didn't take the vaccine. Can I show you in the Bible why I don't take the vaccine? If they let you, read it to them. If they don't, God's taking care of you. You have nothing to prove to anybody. If they don't want to hear you, just leave them alone. But now here's an interesting scripture that we need to start learning where it is. It's in Proverbs 14, verse 6. 
No, it's uh, verse 9. A third angel followed and said with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in the image and receives his mark on their forehead or their hand, he himself will, will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength in the cup of his indication, indignation, and he'll be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. And he goes on to talk about don't take the mark. So here's, my, so here's what you need to say. I don't believe the vaccine is the mark, but I believe it's a precursor. Right, yeah. I believe the new world order is setting you up, and right now, this is a first-grade test. If you're flunking first-grade, what are you going to do when the real one comes? And, and ask them the question. Are you going to heaven or hell? You take the mark, you're going to hell. Why, why don't you have the strength to deal with a vaccine and tell me you're going to have the strength to deal with the mark of the beast? You're deceived. When they slow down, read them, read them the scripture. Read it to them. Say, you ask me why. You want to call me a conspiracy theorist? Okay, I'm good with that. So was Jesus Christ. This has been preached for years, and you do what you want to with it. If you don't believe that, hallelujah. But I'll tell you this. They'll go home and think about it all night and all week and all month. You're going to scare the H out of them. Because you're not telling them what you think. You just read the Bible to them. So I've got one more scripture I want to read to you, and you need to know it where it is in your Bible. I want you to start learning this. Get to know the book of Revelation because it's, it's going to be a now book. Okay, Revelation chapter 6, we are in, are, are we in the tribulation period? We'll actually know. But I said this one day, and, and, and the, 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 the teaching in the church started with um, 50 years ago, that the rapture takes place in chapter 4. And I'm going to read to you what the, what the modern day church calls the rapture. And I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. The first voice which I heard was a trumpet speaking and said, Come up here, and I'm going to show you things that must take place after this. And immediately I was in the Spirit and a throne in heaven, one sat on the throne. I don't think that's a rapture. I think that Jesus told him to come here. Yeah. Wow. Right? Yeah. You, dude, you, you can... Yeah. Folks, it doesn't say anything about rapture. Now, why do they say that? Why do they say that? Then they will say to you, well, we're not assigned to wrath. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask you, since when did the tribulation period become wrath? Mm -hmm. It's not wrath. Right. It's trouble. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's the rapture. Right. So next chap chapter 6. And I saw a lamb open one of the seals, and one of the four living creatures said with a voice thunder, come and see. And a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow and a corona. That's what it says. And he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, the largest pandemic in the history of the earth, is that it? I don't know. It, it makes for an interesting conversation with a sinner. Right? It says right there, the first, the first seal is a guy in a white suit. And a corona. Yep. And, and everybody thought they knew what that was until this year. And then we're going, I think that's the coronavirus. Yeah. Might be, might not be. 
But it's worth talking about because what's happening now in America is not a conspiracy theory. It's happening. You can't look at us and say we're fruitcakes. It's happening. All right. Number two, number two, he opened the second seal and I heard a, a living creature say, come and see. And a red horse went out and was granted to take peace from the earth. It sounds like Afghanistan to me. Are y'all out there? Is there wars going on? Are we like in big, big trouble right now? Yeah, all over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Could it be? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Verse 5, third seal. And he opened the third seal, and he said, Come and see, and a black horse, and had a pair of scales, and said there's lack. Uh, people having a hard time buying wheat and barley and stuff at the store. I, I've just looked around lately and noticed the shelves aren't where they used to be. And they're saying that it'll get worse. And they're even talking about a cashless society. I mean, like Shonda? A conspiracy theory is sitting in the White House. And you're going, I'm, I'm crazy? Okay. If worse thing is just if they're at least letting you go this far, you have got their attention. You say, when is it going to? I don't know. We'll talk about that again in a minute. Fourth seal. And he opened the fourth seal. He said, come and see a pale horse. The word pale is the, is the Greek word uh, chorus. And when they wrote this, they thought, there's no such thing as a green horse. So they meant to say like a pale green. But, but they, they needed to stay with what the word says. There was a reason. Because everything that ISIS does is green. Okay, just a thought. Do I know for a fact? No. I'm guessing. But why can't I guess? Everybody else guessing. And the name set on it was death, and hell followed him, and power was given over them over a fourth of the earth. That just happened last week. Oh, I mean, this is not good. What's that? This is not good. Okay. And then the martyrs, and then verse 12, I look and open a sixth field, and there was a great earthquake that happened all over the earth. I think that's going to happen in 29 I don't have, then go to verse 16. And he said to the mountains and rocks fall on us and hide us from the, the sits on the throne for the wrath of the Lamb. Now, before wrath takes place, go to chapter 7, verse 9. Right before wrath happens. None of this is wrath, just problems. And after these things I looked and a great multitude which no one could number of all nations and tribes and people stood before the throne and the Lamb clothed in white robes. Say rapture. rapture. Where in the Sam Hill did these people come? Boom. Heaven's full of people. I just, my lightning fast mind goes, rapture? Before the last seal, which is a nuclear war. When people's flesh is melting off their body while they're standing, that's a nuke. So, where are we headed? Well, they're going to get ticked, and they're going to get ticked, and they're going to get ticked, and they're going to push a button, and they're going to go, you shoot one at me, I'll shoot one, bam, and bam, and bam, and bam. We won't be here. Say hallelujah. So I want you to look at your friends and go, how long do you think we have? Since I'm a conspiracy idiot. Take your vaccine, eat your burger with your friends. I'll be over here reading my Bible Amen. and looking for his return. Amen. Amen. That's right. 
And if you get sick and die, I'll be here. Tell me what you'd like me to preach at your funeral. Here sits Joe. No, I'm not. I'm being a smart aleck now. Could I have time to tell you another story? I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care. I don't care what time it is. There's a man in our church that called me one day and said, I just caught my son. He took all the family's silver down to the pawn shop and hocked it. And, and they called the police, and the police called me and gave me my silver back. And I gave my son two options, go to prison or counsel with Pastor Dell. And he said, I think I'll go to prison. <laughs> Melanie, do you know who I'm talking about? Okay. So I got to go out with this guy and counsel when I, when I say, I call him up and we meet at Denny's. He went through a pack of cigarettes every hour. <laughs> Ran his mouth like an idiot. I talked to him about Jesus. I talked to him about all oh, he, he, you know. He'd look at me and go, only reason you're in here is my dad puts money in your church and you're just a crook. And this is our counseling session. And I'm talking to him about Jesus and he's ripping me a new one. And I'm going, well, that's my hour, and that's about all I can put up with you for one day. And, and so we did this week after week. Finally, one day, I'm talking to his mom, and she goes, you know, he's afraid of dying. I went, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So the next time we go to Denny's, I'm sitting there, and, I, and he starts rattling, and he pulls a cigarette out, and, I, and he starts talking about how he's scared to death of having demons cast out, and he's like, I don't want to vomit in the world. I don't want to throw up on nobody. All y'all people running around casting devils out of the earth. You think I have a devil? You think I have a devil? Do I have a devil? Do I have a devil? I mean, this is, this is our conversation. This guy's a nut. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, let me ask you a question. What's your favorite song? And he tells me in the way. I said, uh, do you have a suit? Yeah. What color is it? This is blue. It's blue suit. I said, uh, well, you have, a, you have a scriptures in the Bible you like? He goes, well, I got one I learned. I said, what is it? He said, what the are you doing? I said, well, I've been with you now for about a month, and I've already decided that you're hopeless. I can't help you. And so I already know that you're having sex outside of, you're doing drugs. I said, so I've already kind of decided what I'm, I'm going to do for your parents. I'm, pre I'm preparing your funeral. Because I prophesy within a year you'll be dead. He said, how did I get saved? Oh, that was good. He got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, sitting at Denny's. Because I'm feeling that. I'm doing his funeral. I'm doing, what, what, what do you want me to preach at your funeral? What do you want me to you, you little punk. <laughs> Woo, all you have to have is what, what the, people are afraid of dying. We are living in a great time. And I, I'm just going to say this one more time, and I'm going to close. Seek God. Don't worry about all the rest of it. Whatever, whatever's going on, whatever you're worried about, what, you, you get on your face and you get your heart and you open it up. What do you want me to do? Uh, I, about a month ago, I started asking God, is there anything in me that you don't like? He starts showing me. I want to know. He said, I want you to change this. Yes, sir. I want you to change this. I want you to apologize. Yes, sir. Folks, I'm going to keep my heart open. I don't know what to do either. 
I just know he does. And, and I sleep at night. I go to bed and go, I don't have care. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. But when people come up and ask me questions, I, I realize that I'm, the Lord has given me the answer. He gave it to me in, in um, um, that little island, St. Thomas. Open your heart up and seek God. Seek God. I'm not going to care, carry your sin. I'm going to sleep at night. You, you come to church and act like an idiot, I'm going to sleep at night. You don't read your Bible, I'm going to sleep at night. You quit coming, I'm going to sleep at night. It's your heart, not mine. But I think there's enough people right now, and I believe that the revival that will happen is going to happen because people are going to go, we better start seeking God. There is a God, and I'm not Him. I think that's going to be the kicker for the revival. I'm not waiting on them to have a revival. I'm having one right now. You ready to pray? Father God, thank you for this evening. What a powerful message. What a powerful group of scriptures. What you said in Jeremiah applies to us in this room right this minute. We seek you. We'll find you. You'll talk to us. You'll help us. You'll lead us. You'll guide us. You'll, you'll lead us into all truth. You're waiting on us. You said your eyes roam to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for somebody to be strong in behalf of. That man that prayed that one prayer on right when he was dying, bam, you helped him. I think you are eager to help us. You're eager to help each one of us. And I think when we get serious, you'll be there. And Father, if there's anybody tonight that's not, I ask you to help them get there. If not, in the days ahead, they will know what to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all get out of here and have a good night. Uh, if this helped you, if you have in-laws, outlaws that you think are kind of hard to get along with, uh, get Facebook this sermon tonight and send it to them. And say, my pastor asked me to show you this. You need to get saved. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text... 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.